Perfect. Where we're going to be tonight is your Bible should already be open there. Your Bible should be at least in that same vicinity is we are going to be in Psalm 23 tonight. So open up your Bible, turn on your Bible, do what you got to do to get there. We are going to be in Psalm 23. Anybody already there? Let us know. Anybody already there? Shall we close? Anybody have a good keep group? Anybody have a good discussion to keep group tonight? I thought we had a good keep group tonight. We had a, a lot of lot of good discussion. A lot of good discussion and um, a lot of profound thoughts. And what I what I wanted to do tonight is I wanted you to to get to this place of, of thinking about the, the verse that we're talking about, talking, thinking about scripture that we're talking about. Let's talk about it. Let's not just listen to somebody else do it, but let's let's take a moment where iron sharpens iron and 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 we continue to to connect with one another. So so as you're getting there, Psalm 23, we're going to read the whole thing tonight. We're going to read the whole thing tonight. But before we get to the text, I the I, the reason I love the psalm so much is because like I tend to be a, a journaler. Like I like to uh, write in my journal. I like to um, write maybe things that I'm going through in life right now. Sometimes I I write prayers in it. Sometimes I write devotionals in it. Um, it's a time where I use to to process my emotions, and sometimes I use it to to document life seasons in my in, that I'm going through. And this serves me because one day, and I have done this multiple times throughout my life, is that it gives me an opportunity to one day be able to go back and look at what I have gone through and what I've overcome. And and a lot of the times that I I go back and look at my journal, sometimes I go back and I was like, what was I even talking about right there? What was I what was I even really going through in that moment? Because in the grand scheme of it, it it really gives me some perspective because sometimes when we go through something and we look back at it, we realize it really wasn't as big as what we thought it was. Sometimes the, the situations that we thought were, were ginormous and of, of, of huge magnitude actually are something that was very minuscule. And, and in my life, I, I journal so much that I've completed several journals in my life. I have my, my Lee University journal that I, I wrote in all through Lee. I have my first two years here journal. I have the ongoing journaling that I, that I have in this season of life. And, and there's several other journals that I have of, of either devotions or, or prayer journals. And, and um, what I normally do at the, the very end, when I see that the end of a journal is coming to pass, what I, I tend to do is I tend to leave the last few pages for reflection. I normally basically use those last few pages to sum up everything that was going on in that journal. For Lee, when I, I finished that, that journal in, at, at Lee, I took the last couple days of, of classes and, and I just kind of summarized what my Lee experience was. The good, the, the bad, and, and the indifferent in my life. And I, I used that because it became a moment that really sealed what happened and what transpired through that time that is being represented in that book. And this is what this psalm is. We talked about this in, in keep groups. Scholars believe that Psalm 23 is written at the end of David's life. It may not be Psalm 150, which is the last psalm. It may be very early on. But it is, the, it is believed to be one of the last psalms that David was writing in his life. 
So this isn't just a psalm of momentary reflection. He's not just writing this psalm based off of a life experience that is happening in this very moment. He is writing this psalm based off of how he felt about his entire life. So Psalm 123. I mean, Psalm 23. Let's get there. Everybody there? We're going to read it, okay? Psalm 23 says, My emotions are my shepherd, and I'll probably always want he makes me tirelessly labor in pastures and, and drags me in raging waters. He leaves my broken soul. He neglects me in the path of, to righteousness, and it's ultimately for my pain's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll probably be petrified. For I don't know where you are. Your rod and your staff, they are far from me. And you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies so that I can be accused. You leave my head uncovered. My cup has been long dry. Surely pain and trauma shall follow me all the days of my life. And I might eventually dwell in the house of the Lord until I do something wrong. Psalm 23. Now, obviously, this isn't the, the actual psalm. Obviously, if you opened your Bible or know anything about the Bible, that that was not the psalm. But so often that, begin, that becomes the psalm of our heart and the psalm of our life. When we hear about these things, so often when we are so caught up in the difficulty and the hardships of our life, we are so easily susceptible to our emotions and so easily susceptible to walking away and leaning away from the things of God. But this should heighten our awareness of how we often would pen a psalm in the moments of, our th of the throes of life. This becomes, this was a psalm that I wrote down in the middle of the university during a hardship that I was going through. I remember seeing Psalm 23 and going, yep, that's not true. Let me write down what it actually is. And for some of us, we get so encaptured with the, the anxiety, the fear, the, the, the depression, the depths of our life, the hardship of our life. That we ultimately forsake and, and, and trade the goodness and the faithfulness of God for something that is momentary and fleeting. But, you know, I don't want to leave us just in this moment. I don't want to leave us in, in a doom and gloom kind of setting of, of where our emotions are. But, but obviously that we get to see through David's life that David went through a lot of stuff. Just a, just a real quick brief summary. David started his life as a shepherd. He started his life in the pastures, being a shepherd, taking care of sheep. And somewhere between the age 10 and 12, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, had come, come up to him and had anointed him and, and prophetically declared over David's life that he would be the second king of Israel. And you know, everything should have been great at that moment, but it, it really wasn't. Saul overheard this, and, and Saul's ear was spiked. The first king of Israel, Saul, his ear was spiked at the thought of a threat against his kingdom and a threat against his throne. So Saul begins this ploy within his heart of jealousy and envy that is directed towards David. And ultimately, before David's kingship, he's having to escape the the, he's having to escape the hardships and, and the attacks of David, uh, the attacks of Saul within his life because Saul is wanting David dead because he doesn't want his lineage to die of the kingship and be transferred to David. 
Now, if that wasn't enough, at the age of 15 years old, at the age of 15, David's a little dude. David's known as, as one of the runs of the Israelites. And he looks and he sees this, this uncircumcised Philistine making curses against his God. And everybody else is cowering away in fear. What does David do? David goes into the face of, of Goliath and slays the one that is mocking his God. And you continue on. It, it would be more years of, of hardship for David. David having to experience the hardships of being, of being chased around by Saul. Even having moments to be able to, to murder Saul. But taking the road of humility. Taking the word of touch not my anointed. And walking past Saul. Just cutting off a, a slip of his robe. Just to let Saul know that he was there. And could have had his way with him. But he decided to honor him in his authority. Well eventually Saul dies. And David just doesn't go right to the throne. Another one of Saul's sons comes up and is rising against him in a kingship. So guess what? A civil war breaks out to see who is going to be king, Saul's next son or David. Well, ultimately, David wins the civil war, and now he is finally king. So life is pretty good. David's kingship would be, would be littered and, and have a plethora of wars and hardships and difficulties. While his nation is at war, and while he should have been at war, he finds himself in the throes of lust, finding himself compromising to Bathsheba. And to cover up his sin, to cover up this, this bastard child, to, consider, to cover up this, this child that is born and created out of wedlock, he decides to kill her husband. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're connecting with David at this moment emotionally, but there's a lot going on. David needs a lot of counseling. David needs a lot of help. David's probably dealing with a lot of shame. And his kingship and his, his reign is even, is even more difficult. And, and David has some great moments. In, in, in 1 Samuel 17, he is, uh, Samuel comes and prophesies that the chosen one, Jesus himself, the Messiah, is going to be the one that comes from the lineage of David. You see, David has had a life. David had a full life, a life that was not easy. Just because he was anointed as king, just because he had a, a prominent position, did not mean that David ultimately was going to have an easy life. He had anything but. His life was littered with bad decisions. His life was littered with people that were jealous and spiteful, that are wanting to kill him. His life was littered with war. His life was littered with lust and bad decisions and shame and covering it up. But at the end of his life, he penned Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He doesn't neglect the hardships in his life. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He knows he's had a life of war and, and had a lot of enemies. And he continues and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He comes to the end of his life and he makes a, a declaration of reflection and he says, Surely your goodness and your love and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 
And at the dying, as, his, as he is dying at the end of his life, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, I want to challenge you to write your, the story of your now, not from the perspective of right now, but in light of eternity. Don't write your story of right now through the lens of your right now, but write it through the lens of eternity. And you see, David offers us even another glimpse of wisdom by penning this because there are some simple truths about God that we already know that can keep us on track with life when we feel like going astray. The first thing that the first truth that we get to to understand in this text through David is that number one, God meets us in the familiarity of our life. David starts, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You see, David, his whole life, for 30 years, David was a shepherd. David was a shepherd before he was a king. David was a man of being hidden, taking care of people, and, and he was taking care of people and sheep in hiding before he was taking care of a whole nation. If there was anything that David knew, David knew how to be a shepherd. And he begins this, this, song, this song with the declaration that the Lord is my shepherd. He knew exactly what he was saying. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd is the one that protects David knew God as one who was protecting him from his enemies. Who were his enemies? Goliath was his enemy. Saul was his enemy. Nations rising up against his kingship was his enemy. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the one that is protecting me. The Lord is the one that is protecting me just as a shepherd protects the sheep against wolves and, and different animals that come in and try to terrorize. He knew that at the end of his life, God was the one that had protected him. David makes this declaration knowing that God would tend and, and heal his physical ailments. When David was, was battle-born, when David was, was, was down and out, when David experienced sickness, and when David experienced emotional and physical and mental ailments, he knew that God would be the one that healed him. He had done it a million times. He healed sheep that would have been that would have fallen down a path or, or fallen down a hill. He would, he would heal sheep that, that, would, that would be beaten up and, and attacked by other sheep. He would heal sheep that were attacked by that by attacked by wolves. He knew exactly that God was the one that when he was attacked, whether it was physical, whether it was emotional, whether it was spiritual, he knew exactly that God was the one that was healing him. God was the one that was anointing him. God was the one that was telling to his wounds. He knew that God as shepherd would be the one that provided shelter and food. Part of David's life, David's life, he lived on the run. He lived on the run from Saul. And he, he often, so many times, did not have a place to lay down his head that was consistent. When you are running from someone, it is not very often you get to make yourself a home. It is not very often that you get to lie yourself down in rest. But he knew that, that God was the one that was providing for him. He knew that God was the one that has hidden him into a cave. He knew that God was the one that was providing him food. That he knew that God was the one that was sustaining him in his life because he knew 
knew that he had a purpose, that God had given him a purpose, and that he knew that if God gave him a purpose, he was going to be one that was being sustained. And finally, David knew that God as a shepherd would lead him back on the path when he went astray. We talked about, let's, in, in key group, we talked about connecting. Let's connect David's story. Let's connect David's life to some of these verses. And what I loved about our key group, it talked about when he's talking about he, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That when you're walking through something, that is not just a momentary experience. That is something that is ongoing and continual. That may be, it may be translated as to when I walk through a season of darkness, when I walk through a season of hardship, and David walked through seasons of hardships. He walked through a hardship when Saul was after him. That was not just a momentary experience. That was not just a one-day difficulty. That was an ongoing experience. How about when he had an affair with Bathsheba? It was not just a one-time experience, but she had conceived and became pregnant through that. What about when he had to devise a plan to get rid of her husband? What about when he had to devise a plan to, to take care of his reputation rather than have walking in character and integrity? But he knew at the end of his life, God as the good shepherd was the one that led him back onto the right path when he was astray. He knew that God was a good shepherd that even, even when his heart, even when his heart became astray, that God was the one that was going to lead him back. And you see, God begins to speak to us in the familiarity. The things that we know best, God begins to speak to us because, because when God wants to connect with us, he's going to bring us something that may be used unspiritual. He wants to connect with us and show us something, something profound. For the musician, guess what? He is our song. He can, for those that are musical, guess what? He connects with us as our song because he knows the complexity of making music. He knows the complexity of creating a melody. He knows the complexity of creating a harmony. He knows the complexity and the, the vulnerability and the, and the intimacy that is created in penning the words of a song that is connected directly to your heart. For those who are athletic, guess what? He is the one, one that will run the race with you. Because he wants you to understand that there is a need for endurance and fortitude. Those that are athletic, that those are the people that know the best how to continue to go even when your body tells you to stop. He's wanting to connect with you in things that are familiar. He wants to connect with you. And in that moment of running, you need to go like, okay, I may want to quit right now. But this, but just as much as I'm pushing my body, I need to, I may want to quit my relationship with God. I may want to quit what I'm going through with God. And I want to quit a relationship with him. But I need to push myself. I need to continue on. For those that love history and, and love war, guess what? He is our victorious warrior because he wants us to understand that we need to have strategy and boldness in the face of harm and difficulty. He connects with us in ways that, that, is, that is personal to us. David said, God is my shepherd because that was so personal. Because at the core of it, that's who David was. Beyond being a king, David was a shepherd. Before he ever had a throne, before he ever had a nation to lead, David was leading a flock of sheep. And he knew the ins and outs of that process. And at the end of his life, he went, God is my shepherd. At the end of your life, will you say, God is my song? At 
the end of your life and you say, God is my victorious warrior? Would, would you say, God is my coach? God is the one that has taught me how to run. Because David had experienced enough of God's provision to be able to call him shepherd. Number two, this ver that verse four and five show us that God is with us in the hardship. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. David's life was filled with hardship. The Christian life, the believer's life, is going to be filled with hardship. We are not given a, a free pass through life, but anything that we have all of hell going after us because of what we carry and who God has called us to be. David had faced so much hardship in his life. He had to face Goliath. He had to face Saul. He had to face many wars. And guess what? David was not void of emotions. Can you imagine the feelings that he had? Can you imagine the nervousness and the anxiety he had as he stood in the face of Goliath, someone that was so tall that he physically would not be able to overcome him and overwhelm him? Could you imagine the feeling that is attached to that? Imagine the emotions that are attached with, with someone that is coming and trying to kill your life like Saul. Imagine the life that the emotions that you feel when you have to overcome and, and cover up your sin of idolatry and, and your sin of adultery and lust. Imagine the stress and the pressure knowing that every night your nation is at war. David was not void of emotion. David was going through hardships and difficulty. However, he was able to know that God was with him in the hardships of life. Even when he was going through literal hell, he provides comfort and anointing. And he doesn't deplete us in it, but he causes us to overflow. We will go through hardships in our life, but at the end of our life, we'll be going, will we be able to say, God is the one that has led me through the valley of the shadow of death. That I may have had to sit at the tables of people that caused me harm and wanted harm and, and wanted to be my enemies and who were my enemies, but God is the one that has comforted me. And I didn't finish the hardships depleted, but I finished those hardships with an overflowing of anointing, an overflowing of a hope, an overflowing of, a, of an assurance of God's goodness. And lastly, God offers us a prosperous future. At the very end, it says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the David was able to see that the difficulties would one day be a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness. He said, all the days of my life, the days at war, the days in hiding, the days of shepherding, the days of loneliness, the days of isolation, the days of misunderstanding. He knew that at the end of the day, all of those days were good because God's mercy and God's goodness was on display. And God offers us a prosperous future because 2 Samuel 7, 12, it shows that God promises that the promised seed, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus himself would come from the lineage of David. And ultimately, the hardships and the difficulties that David had to face would lead to God's glorification by the use of David's name. God would be glorified through David's name. That in our hardship, in the difficulty that we face, God still offers us a prosperous future. 
So I want to I want to let you know that it becomes so easy to write the psalm of our season in the throes of our now emotion. It is so easy for us to write the psalm of our right now, our season, our life in the throes of the emotional complexities that we are experiencing right now. And guess what? It is not wrong to experience emotions. It is not wrong to experience anger or hurt or frustration or rejection or bitterness. It is not wrong to experience that. But I want to challenge you to look at your current situation through the lens and the perspective of how you will testify about it. And do it through the lens of a perspective of your future victory found through the goodness of God. Don't allow your season right now to be written by the emotions of right now, but allow yourself to write your right now and the song of your life right now through the victory, through the perspective of your future victory that it has been given to you by God's goodness. Your right now may suck. Your right now may be hard. And guess what? All the emotions that come with it are completely natural. But don't allow your right now to dictate your perspective. But allow yourself to rest in the light that there is a future glory that is coming. There is a future victory that is coming. There is a future victory because guess what? God cares for you. God wants to meet you in the intimacy of your life. God wants to meet you in the familiarity. He wants to connect with you with the things that are passionate and, and accustomed to you. And guess what? God is with you in your hardships. And it's not for nothing, but he offers you a prosperous future. So when you go through something hard, don't look at it through the hardships and the lens of hardships, but look at it through the prosperous future and the future victory that is offered to you. So if you will tonight, we'll take a moment and stand with us. And what I want you to do is if, if you're going through a hard season of life, facing a hardship, maybe you feel like your psalm is like the psalm that I had wrote at Leo of my life is hard, my life is difficult, I don't feel the goodness and the faithfulness of God, I don't feel the truth of God. If, if that's you, maybe you feel like your psalm right now is one of emotion-filled negativity and not done in the perspective of God. Just take a moment and acknowledge that. Go like, I'm allowing my season my season and my emotional state right now is, is crap. My psalm is very honest, but my psalm does not reflect the truth of God's goodness. Take a moment and acknowledge that. And I think if we're all honest, most of us in this room could go, yeah. I've allowed my emotions to dictate what I believe is God's goodness. And what I want to challenge you with tonight, and mind you, this just doesn't stop when we finish tonight. This is something you continually have to do. This is a discipline. You have to be disciplined in this. How are you going to be disciplined in it? You have to know God's word. You have to open God's word. You have to, to read God's word. You have to pray. To be able to truly have an eternal perspective, you need to go to the source of eternity. And so tonight, I want to ask you, if you've been in that, that season of life, and you want to change your perspective from right now to shift your perspective into eternity and God's goodness. Just acknowledge, God, this is what I want for my life. I want to shift my now and my perspective 
to not see the right now, not see the crappy of right now, but I want to look and see my perspective from eternity and the victory that Jesus died for me to have. And so what I want you to do is, as we close the prayer tonight, I want you to pray that for yourself. Take ownership of it. I can't, can't pray for you. I can't, I can't pray for Zach to have a, a good mind and a good thinking. I can't pray for Zach and, and make him think good. He's got to take ownership and initiative of himself. I can't combat and combat every thought that comes into his mind. Zach has to take ownership himself. And so what I want you to do, a good start of taking ownership is, is being the one that prays into it. So let's take a moment and just ask God to, to shift our focus and our perspective. God, we just come to you tonight. Lord, and we just thank you, Lord, for your word, God. I thank you that you meet me in the familiarity, God. I thank you that you have always met me in the familiarity. That you don't meet me in, in complexity and things that I don't understand, but you make yourself relatable. God, and I thank you that, that you are in the hardship with me, that you are here and that you are moving in the hardship, that you are not void, that you are not inactive, Lord, but you are present in my hardship. You are present in the difficulty that we are facing, Lord, that you are present, God. But I also thank you that you are the God that has given prosperity, God. God, I thank you that you offer me and that you give me a prosperous future, God, that you give me a life that at the end of my days, I get to say, surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life and at the end of my life I have the confidence that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and God I just pray that you would give us the boldness to shift our perspective from right now from the emotions the, the things that we are going through in our hearts and our minds God and I pray that you would give us the boldness to shift it to eternity that I wouldn't look at my situations right now and we wouldn't look at our situations right now through the lens of defeat and the, the lens of failure God but we would look at through the lens of your future victory and your victory that is offered to us right now, Lord. God, and we want to see our seasons, we want to see the hardships be the very thing that bring you glory, the very thing that shows your victory, the very thing that shows that you are above every name, that there is no attack that can, can overcome us, that there is no weapon that can prosper and form against us, Lord. God, and we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you are the shepherd that leads our soul, that you give us rest, that you give us peace, that you are the one that leads us, that when we go astray, you are the God that pulls us and pushes us back on path, God. And Lord, I pray that you would bless every heart. God, give us the discipline. Give us the boldness to not just make this a right now decision, but to be disciplined. To be disciplined in changing our perspective, God, from something that is temporary to eternal. God, let our lives bring you glory. Let our lives bring you joy. Let our lives, God, bring you, God, magnification, Lord, in this earth, Lord. God, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing in our life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.